Hi. <laughs> so there are things, um, have you noticed there are things in life that you like absolutely cannot um, ignore? Like they punch you in the face everywhere you go. Um, this is one of those talks for me. It's kind of like I, you see it on people's t-shirts and then you hear it on the radio and then you open the Bible and it's there and then it's in a fortune cookie and you like, by the end of the day, you're like, all right, fine, like I'll study this, sounds interesting. And for me, um, I decided a while ago I was gonna read 1 Corinthians. I was just gonna read it over and over and over again like I did with Ephesians. Um, and I'll just do it maybe, and I'm, I'm maybe like 30 times into it. And it's nothing but the Holy Spirit. And it's the kind of the thing for me like that I am, I'm so excited about is, is walking with the Holy Spirit. And so um, beginning of 1 Corinthians, he talks about um, milk. And he says, you know, I, you were mere men. And so I had to come to you um, with the milk. I couldn't feed you with solid food. And he says, because you were carnal and you were doing all these other things. And, and I read that, and most people read that and they go, well, I need to be a Christian who eats solid food and takes in solid food. Um, and I, that was kind of my first reaction. And then I went and I was driving to work. And, um, and I heard this thing on NPR about uh, how most like, babies are supposed to be fed milk for a certain amount of time. And then at some point you switch over to solid food. And they're seeing this trend in which babies are being fed solid food way too early and it's messing up the development of the kid. And I just went on with my business and the Holy Spirit said, stop, think about this. Most people read my word and they think, okay, now it's time for solid food, but there is a time for milk. And if you, you miss the milk, you miss your development. You just, that's why we have so many Christians who are decently stagnant is because they, they're trying to progress so fast. They're trying to grow, but they're not just relaxing in the truth. And, and for me, the milk of the word was my identity in Christ. Reading Ephesians, blessed with every spiritual blessing, a son called, and all these amazing things that the Ephesians says, I have been given. But it's, I don't think it's a coincidence that in in 1 Corinthians, he says, I couldn't feed you solid food. And then, and then what does he teach on? He teaches so much on the Holy Spirit. And he teaches on the fruits of the Spirit. And he teaches on what it looks like when the gifts of the Spirit are evident in the church and how it edifies the body. And so I've, this is kind of the thing I've been studying for a while. What does it look like when the Holy Spirit is, is manifest in a person's life? So if you have your Bibles, um, turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Um, I love Acts. RJ got me all excited again about reading Acts. Um, so I just started at chapter one. Um, but before we get into chapter two, I actually want to read one verses 13 and 14. And remember when Jesus um, was on the earth, he said, you know, I have many more things I want to tell you, but you cannot bear them. So I'm going to leave and I will give you the helper and he will teach you all things. And, and so Acts begins with the apostles basically going up to a room and waiting, praying, and being filled with the Holy Spirit. And then all the amazing miracles and things happen. But if you look at 13 and 14, 1 verses 13 and 14, it says, and when they had entered the upper room, or when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, which, oddly enough, that's got to be the last guy ever to be named Judas, because this is the good guy. Um, and then he says, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the woman 
and the, with the women and Mary and the mother of Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And what I want to just note there really quickly is when you read the Greek, it actually says, and when they went to the upper room where they were staying indefinitely. They had like this, they had this, this belief amongst themselves that we are going to stay and we're going to stay until we get what we've been promised. And then it says, it's all in one accord. And what that really means is minds in full agreement devoted themselves steadfastly to prayer. They were, this is what we are going to do. And, and for a lot of us, we are, this community is being established in, in depth and, and just kind of growing together in unity. But one of the things is that we, we all want different things. One person needs a job. Another, one pe- another person wants to learn about love. One person wants to know what did Jesus actually say? And we end up with so many desires that the one accord very rarely happens. And so I, what I want to talk to you about tonight is not you know, the Holy Spirit comforter and just go through all of the different um, roles of the Holy Spirit because really nothing I can say will do justice a day filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, you, you spend any time with the Holy Spirit and then I was to say something, you're all just going to roll more, your eyes at me. But what I want to talk to you about is, is, is what does it look like to pursue the Holy Spirit? Um, and so I'm going to pray really quick just because for me, this was a really difficult thing to study and actually think, embark upon teaching because uh, I compare myself a lot to a lot of, I have a lot of, his, um, you know, people I look up to and I also end up with a lot of comparison and just like negativity. And, and I felt like when I was studying this, like I am the least that should be like teaching this kind of stuff. There are many far more qualified than me, but the truth is I'm filled with the Holy Spirit and I, and I he's, he's my only source of influence and power. Um, so I'm just going to pray really quick and then we'll get into it. Father God, I just thank you for your word and your spirit in our lives. And Lord, we thank you just for all that you have done tonight, Lord God, in worship and in our lives throughout the day. And Lord God, we just ask that tonight there will be such a clarity of spirit that every harassing and tormenting spirit or anything that would try and get in the way of your truth would leave in Jesus' name and that your presence would be made manifest as we pursue and enjoy all that you are and all that you have done on our behalf. We love and delight in you and we just pray that your spirit would continue to just show itself in grace. In Jesus' precious name, amen. So um, I'm now gonna read into Acts 2. Um, Verse one, wait, before I get that, my... uh, I get to finally tell my one accord joke. What is the, it's, it's a, the cheesiest Christian popsicle joke of all time. What is the, uh, what's the only car in the Bible? Honda. I, there's, I actually have two more and I, I had to say these because I never get to tell anybody. Uh, Knopf thinks they're hilarious and like no one else does. Um, who was the only person in the Bible who had no father and no mother? Jed knows. Joshua, the son of Nun. <laughs> And this one I just heard the other day, it's amazing. Who is the first mathematician in the Bible? Anybody? Noah, go forth and multiply. (laughs) (laughs) So chapter two. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one sat upon upon each of them and and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
And we've all read this over and over and over again, and it's always very exciting. And we, we pray, God, would you do this? And for some of us, there is that ridiculous time when you can really look back and say, this is the point at which I was filled with the Holy Spirit. But all I know is that in the Bible, the, the only prerequisite is faith. Jesus said, believe and you will be filled, essentially. But one of the things that as I was reading this, what, what's the deal with the fire? Like, no one really discusses that. They don't know how to handle it. Um, you know, John says you will be baptized in, uh, in the spirit and in fire. Um, but as I was reading this, I, I, I kind of made a connection with something that has absolutely nothing to do um, with fire. Um, when we all know how Jesus was baptized, right? John said, I can't baptize you. Jesus said, you better. They went into the water. Um, and then uh, God said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. The dove came down and he was filled, went into the desert and did amazing things after that. Died for my sins. Um, but, after, but for most of us, we, we, I, I believe that um, the Father's words make me think that the dove was actually a visual sign of the acceptance and approval of Christ in his ministry. I mean, there was no necessary for a like, sign to come down. God fills us just as easily, and there's usually no dove involved. So why was the dove there? It was, it was for a sign for everybody else. And God is, is, loves signs. You look through the Bible, it's amazing. But why fire? What, what does fire have to do with baptism? And, I, and I, I looked at it and it's like, well, God would manifest himself in, in fire all throughout the Old Testament, the, the burning bush and the, um, the fire by night and the cloud by day, all of these things, but why fire? And what I found was that um, it, it's always a form of acceptance. And so when, um, when Abraham sacrificed on the altar, fire came down, it was an acceptance of what Abraham was doing. When they built the tabernacle in the desert, Fire came down and that was an accepted dwelling place of the Lord. But it only happens once. When David wanted to build a temple, God said, no, your son will build it. Solomon built the temple and fire came down and that was a, a sign of acceptance. And, and the, the spirit dwelt within the temple. And it happened once and it, it, it's not necessary again. And for us, when, when they're all in the room and they're all praying for the Holy Spirit, the fire enters the room and it, it, it goes and it, it basically covers each person's head. And, and what it's saying is, what God is signifying is that we are now the acceptable, chosen dwelling place of the Lord. It makes perfect sense in the context of, of how he do, dealt with everybody else. And it makes me feel a lot more at peace that he, it's not just some random thing that we never see or never do. Like it, it was done for a reason. And so as I studied this, this kind of talk, I began to realize that I am indeed a temple of the Holy Spirit. We have all these verses that say it, but it's, it's, it's a very, very like kind of harrowing, important thing. Um, and, and so I had to understand the fire in order to understand the, the, basically how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. But what I found was that um, I started writing this talk and I started texting Knopf, like, here's what I'm thinking. And he started pointing out that, like, I got a lot of feelings with not as much truth as I thought. And it's true for a lot of us. When we, um, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we say, oh, I feel, or he has done, like, there's, there's feelings and there's truth and there's all this mixture, but there's very little actual fact. And for me, um, 
there was way too much feeling. Jesus told the disciples, Luke 24, 49, wait for the promise of my father, the power from on high. And, and I could feel this, this voice either on my right or my left shoulder say, well, I don't see much power in your life. And I thought, well, I don't really feel very powerful. And then I read Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and the same voice, eh. Like, I, how many times have you seen someone healed by your hand? Like, where, where is your power? And, and a lot of the time, um, I will use scripture as a litmus test for my life. Um, and I would kind of judge the fruit of my life. Because, but in the, in the Bible, the only time it's talked about in that context is judging false prophets. So essentially what Satan's doing while I'm studying this thing is he is in some ways saying I'm a false prophet. And he's questioning my, um, my value. And all the while I'm thinking, well, I don't feel these things. And so I'm just kind of walking along with him, believing a lie that, you know, while I've been filled with the Holy Spirit, I need to be, I need to be different in some way. Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of flowing, or wolf will flow uh, a river of living water. And by this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. And I, I read that and I was like, well, I don't feel like I'm flowing. I feel like I'm decently stagnant at points. Sometimes I overflow and it's really exciting, but quite often I feel like I'm stagnant. And, but, and I, I actually, in my notes, here's my notes, there's all these circled words, and they're all feelings. And, 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 and also, I redact things that are completely stupid. Um, but as I was studying this, and I was talking to Nof about, like, my, he said, you know, the, the, the word says fullness. And I started looking it up, and, and so while I, my first point is that I feel lacking, but my second point is that the fullness has come. And, and this is an opportunity where we get to choose the truth over our feelings. The Bible says in Colossians 2.10, in Christ you have been brought to fullness. John 1.16, and of, of his fullness have we received grace for grace. Somewhere in the Bible it says, we have been given all things pertaining to life and godliness. There are other points where it says, you've been given every spiritual blessing. So in what way would it be consistent with God to say, we have, I've given you all things, but you only have a portion of the Spirit, or you have in some way uh, run the Spirit out of your lives? And, and he does say, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. Sounds like fullness to me. So... Why am I, not, why, why don't I see a lot of the fruit that I desire to see? I mean, I, I know that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, that I hear his voice, that's the biggest thing. Also, I speak in tongues. Um, so whenever Satan tries to come at me and say, you don't, you're, you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, I just start speaking in tongues and he just kind of <laughs> shuts up. And that's one of the reasons we were given uh, tongues, not only for the edification of our spirit, but also as a proof um, to yourself and to Satan and to everyone around you that you are indeed filled with the Holy Spirit. But I feel like there are two things that really inhibit the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Um, Ephesians 4.30 talks about grieving the Holy Spirit. And 1 Thessalonians 5.19 talks about quenching the Holy Spirit. And both of these things really speak to the same thing. Which, picture a fire suppressor. You have this flame within you, but you... you God says, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he, he says it with this, this sense of what you do with your life is exceptionally important. 
And, and I, the way that I grieved the Holy Spirit, I, I realized was, you know, I've, I've rooted, a lot, rooted out a lot of the outright sins, the things that I would like do repeatedly and then get stuck in the cycle of shame and then end up like kind of approaching God after a couple weeks of feeling like, all right, now I'm, I'm safe again. Um, but having rooted those things out, now there are other things which can really um, quench the Holy Spirit. For me, I, I can get up and I go to work and I work really hard and then I, uh, and then I watch TV when I get home, listen to the radio on the way home, uh, I'll go to a movie. Like there's just a constant filling of, of activity and doing and, and like working. And, and it's just like I, by, when I do not allow quietness, when I don't allow the Holy Spirit to, his voice to like invade, I, I completely quench what he wants to do. And I found like when you, have you ever been camping and you sit underneath next to the fire and there's like an exceptional clarity and you realize like, man, I can hear, like he, he, you, you hear the Holy Spirit speaking like this, 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 this. He's, he's reminding you about something. He's showing you a picture of this and you're dreaming for your future and you're picturing your future wife and all of these like great things are happening in your spirit. And it's because you're allowing the Holy Spirit to just flow in your life. But one of the biggest things Satan can do is, is figure out different ways to quench the spirit. And, and for, I'm not gonna try and kind of speak to each one of the things that we can do, but kind of ask the Holy Spirit, are there things in my life that causes me to quench the Holy Spirit? But the good news is regardless of what I, whatever I do or say or no matter how much I quench the Holy Spirit, he's not going anywhere. Jesus says the Holy Spirit which the, he has sent will abide with me forever. And in Ephesians it says that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Like he's not going anywhere. And, and that gives me the, the greatest like comfort of all time because I feel like my feelings overtake me. But my, I had all these questions as I'm kind of thinking about who the Holy Spirit is. And I, we have lots of people who are all coming out of this old background of the Holy Spirit is not really a safe thing. Like it's not, we don't really believe in the Holy Spirit or that was for a, a past day or the, the truth of the Holy Spirit is shrouded in lies because Satan is intensely afraid of the fruit of a Christian who's filled with the Holy Spirit. He, he's so afraid of the Holy Spirit. He felt like lightning. I mean, he, he really does not do warfare well when he comes face to face with God or anybody who is filled with God. Um, so it makes perfect sense that he would try to inject as much lies as he can concerning this subject. And so I was just thinking, well, how often do we hear these songs we sang, fill us up, Lord? I mean, if he says of, your, of the fullness have we received, then why are we singing fill us up, Lord? My favorite, one of my favorite guys, he's from the 1800s. This guy's name is D.L. Moody, and uh, he was nuts. Like, he would, um, he would, when he would come into a town, he would say, okay, I'm going to be preaching at 1 o'clock and 3 o'clock. And all the guys who were, like, organizing the events would be like, well, no, businessmen are going to come, and they, don't, they can't do 1 o'clock and 3 o'clock. Like, do, like, early morning or, like, 5 p.m. He said, no, 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 I'll speak. And, and, and sure enough, there would be, like, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people mostly all these businessmen who would come and they would listen. And it was because he was so full of the Holy Spirit. It was just like a, have you ever heard someone who, when they speak, they're not speaking from knowledge and like, like the dry crust. They're speaking from the like fresh anointed word. 
And, and this was one of those guys, he, when he would, he would be walking down an alley and he would have to quickly like duck into another alley and like just find a spot because he would burst out in tongues and it would have no way of controlling like the spirit inside of him. And, and so one of my, someone once came up to him and said like, why do we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And he said, well, because I leak. And, and they were like... And, and that was kind of the way he would speak. It was not complicated, but there was exceptional truth in it. And, and I, I don't know, I, I think what he was getting at was that, that quenching the Holy Spirit. And, but all I know is that it makes sense, biblically it makes sense to pursue a consistent and constant refilling of the Holy Spirit. Um, Ephesians, my favorite book, uh, it says, do not be drunk with wine in which there's dissipation, which I have no idea what dissipation is, but I don't drink anyway. It says, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and the, the word filled there, um, or be filled, is, is be being filled. It, it's, it's very like present tense. And what it means is be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, and so that's why, you know, we, we here at Epic Life are pursuing a life in which the Holy Spirit is consistently and constantly filling us up. I want to be so full of Christ that I'm just Jesus with skin on. I mean, I, 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 I read the Bible and I expect the things that I see in the Bible to be a part of my life. How many people, when you read Acts, when you read 1 John and John and all about the love of Christ and abiding in Christ and you will do greater things in Christ himself that you will cast out demons. And I read these things and I go, well, no, I will see these things in my lifetime. I will do these things. And so, you know, I, I get tremendous hope when I'm reading this stuff. I'm reading about Acts and it's amazing stuff. But when you read Acts 2, right, it's, it's a, it started out with a large group of people and they said it kind of dwindled to those that were able to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And when they did come, when the Holy Spirit did come, it was pretty ridiculous. Thousands of people, like 3,000 people on the first day came to know the Lord just after seeing this because of the fruit of, of a life filled with the Holy Spirit. But my favorite thing is like kind of everything that happened after that. So I'll give you a quick summary, right? Chapter 2, uh, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter goes out and he preaches and he says, these people aren't drunk. They've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Everybody, uh, and then he says, and then he just jumps into a sermon. And his sermon is very short and he essentially says, you people killed Jesus. And he says, but Jesus has returned and he is living and we have seen him. And if you will repent, you will be filled. And like 3,000 people are like, oh yeah, that sounds right. And it's one of those weird things like you, I've never been able to go up to someone and just totally like point the finger at them and have them go, you're right. They, but the, when the Holy Spirit is working, it just doesn't really make a lot of sense. And, and so they, after the 3,000 people, they, they get some excitement and they start going around and the church builds like crazy um, and they, they're preaching along. And then Peter and John are arrested for preaching the gospel. Um, and, and what happens is the, 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 the wise religious men say, well, you need to stop preaching. And they say, well, I don't know what's better for us to listen to you or Jesus. You guys judge which one we're gonna actually do. And, and they, they, they realize that these people have been with Jesus because they were, they were formerly very untrained people and now they were very um, bold and full of wisdom. And so they leave and they, they go back to everybody that they were preaching with and they said, man, we were arrested and this is what happened and they fill them in on all the details. And then they, they, they in, in, uh, in the end of chapter four, they, they turn to God and they say, now, would you please give us more boldness? Would you give us a greater, um, 
greater outpouring of your spirit. Stretch out your hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done in your name and that through the name of your holy uh, servant, Jesus Christ. And it says, uh, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. And I, I, you know, we've read that many times, but do you realize that most of those people were the people who were filled the first time? Like these were the same people who were filled in, uh, in chapter two. And for me, like this gives me tremendous hope that, the, and this is like, a, this is a biblical thing, that we can come to church on a weekly basis, we can go to God in the morning and we can say, God, would you fill me up? Would you, and, and I've been praying this the last couple of days, even into the last week, and it's, there's, there's an ex- expectation that builds, that this is God, this is what he does. He pours out his spirit. If you read 1 Corinthians, or if you go back and read Isaiah, he says, I will pour waters on the, flo- on the dry ground. I will pour floods in the desert. He does not say anything about withholding. Isaiah 40 through the rest of the book is just breakthrough after breakthrough. I will give and I will give and I will give. He, he says the, the waters, um, this is like the waters of Noah to me. Like the, the mountains may be destroyed, yet not my covenant of peace. Like he just says good, good, good things over us. And so I've been, the reason I was reading all of this was because of all of the people that I, I started to see patterns um, where it would say, and his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Or and all, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, and they were all filled with, it was, they, they, he keeps, the, the book of Acts, there are all these places where people are highlighted, full, filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm reading this and I'm going, well, someday I would like, if there was a book to be written about Sean, it would say, then Sean, full of the Holy Spirit, and then something I did in God's name. And, and this, is, this can be an expectation of ours because the, the, whether you feel dry or not, whether you have been baptized with the Spirit and have spoken in tongues or not, we can still push for that. We can still request it. It is something that, and the funny thing is when they were praying for boldness, they were given the Holy Spirit. God will, you will ask for something, but he will give you what you need. And I've found that more often than not, the Holy Spirit is what we need. Um, For me, remember when we were preaching through Ephesians and I said, revelation is the key to everything. I said, if, if, if I know more about God, then I will love him. If I know more about how God sees people, then I will love people. If I know more about the, if the Holy Spirit is revealed to me, I will be able to search for him. I felt like revelation was the key to everything. But the more I, I read, the more that I pray, the more that I sit with God, the more that I realize that the Holy Spirit is the key to everything. He is the, the spirit of truth. It says in the Bible that, we have not received the spirit that is from the world, but the spirit that is from God, that we might freely know all the things that have been given to us by God. Like he, he, he says that I, the Holy Spirit, when he will come, will remind you of everything I have said. That was Jesus. So, you know, we can read the Bible and feel like I don't remember a thing. But when you read the Bible with the Holy Spirit, you'll be listening to NPR and suddenly he'll remind you about milk and it'll become very clear something that made no sense to you before. The Holy Spirit reminds me all the time about the Bible and about his word. And, and Paul really, really lived this out. He said, my, my teaching was not with persuasive words of wisdom. He didn't come with 
wise thoughts and big words. He said, I, my preaching was in the demonstration of power and that your faith would not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. He realized that, you know, we can, we, like what Knopf says, what we draw people to is what we will, like, kind of ensnare them with. But when you, so Paul went in, in said, and weakness and trembling. Basically, he didn't come in with his big robes and his big book to tell them about how wonderful God is. He came to them and he, and he lived amongst them and he worked hard during the day and at night he preached the gospel and he, he healed the sick in Jesus' name and he did all of these demonstrations of the spirit and so you, he ended up with a church in 1 Corinthians that grew in, in faith and expectation that they can heal the sick and they can do all these things. And, and I love reading about Paul because he's a real guy. He, he does real things. And one of the things we've had spoken of our ministry time and time and time again is that we are world changers, that what we do matters, that we will be a people where when we go out, people will follow us. I had, I had the most ridiculous day the other day. I, I called my brother and he was, um, he was reading the Bible and he was telling me about something where he felt like it was just a big accusation, that he was not what he was reading. And he felt really awful. And I, I shared with him that, he said, well, the Holy Spirit's been convicting me. And I said, well, the Holy Spirit came to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, but you are not from the world. He said, oh, well, that makes sense. The Holy Spirit's not here just to beat me up with the word. And, and he said, you are so easy to follow, Sean. You are a, an older brother that I can listen to. And I was like, I was floored because this, this, is, this is what we're all doing. We're all being followed by somebody. People are looking, people are watching. And we can be world changers and the, 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 where the power and changes is in, in the Holy Spirit. He, he's the primary source of all power, all boldness, all breakthrough. He's the spirit of revelation. There's, there's nothing that we need that cannot be supplied by the Holy Spirit. Even like the gifts, you know, the, 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 one of my favorites that I've been praying for is the gift of faith. The expectation that I can, you know, we, we've all been given a measure of faith, but 1 Corinthians says we, we, the Holy Spirit administers the gifts, and one of the gifts is the gift of faith. So I, I wake up in the morning, and I go, God, would you fill me up? Would you give me such a, like, a fullness of spirit that when I go out and I, I see someone who is in need, the gift of faith would blow up in me, and I would walk over to someone and they would be healed. I feel like I feel like I lack boldness, but the Holy Spirit is the one who produces boldness. We have all of these people who are walking in amazing gifts, but the Holy Spirit is the one who gives all of these things. So what, what I wanted to do was tonight as we kind of close up, is I, is I wanted to give you guys an opportunity to Go back into that song. where We might actually do a different song, but go into that, that mode of worship, which is fill us up. And actually press in with the, an understanding of what you're singing about. That you're asking for the God of the universe to come and fill you up. So Aaron, can you come up? I, I, what I wanted to um, close with was something kind of different. Have you, um, how many of you, I don't even want you to raise your hands. <laughs> the Holy Spirit or this, this is somewhat foreign, either because of your upbringing or because there is a, just, there's a sense of, I can't control this. It's just kind of like a, a fear-based thing that has kept you from truly just giving yourself entirely to the Holy Spirit. I, I was reading, 
trying to study and I'm not very good with studying Greek and all that stuff because I immediately get very like bored. I hate Greek and I hate like big books. I, I really like the fact that everything's in one book. So I don't, I don't own a lot of books. Um, but I, I started like, I, I read, I wanted to read about the word fell. And so I, I looked it up and it, one of the best places was when the Gentiles are being filled. And everybody was like, wow, the Gentiles can be filled too? Like, well, and truly, the, like, God loves the people. Gentiles means non-Christian, non-Jews. Like, God must love everybody. And that word fell in the Greek means to press against, to crowd upon, to fall upon, to embrace formally, to fall upon the neck. And I, I looked at that, and I was like, oh, that's cool. It makes a lot of sense. And then I, I went and I read the, uh, the, the prodigal son story. Have you heard about that? Like, the, this, this, and... For, my, for me, for my brothers, like we can all kind of relate to this. The, the son messes up his inheritance, jacks up his life, sitting in the mire, he says, well, my father's house is better than this. I can just be a servant. And so he decides to walk. And the, and the father, um, with a heart like Christ, says, and he arose and came to, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. Like he he. It's not that he got to the father's house, rang on the doorbell, and the father opened the door and said, well, I guess. Like, it said the father saw him afar off, which means he was looking for him. And he saw him coming over, and he, and he went, and he ran, and he fell on his neck, and he kissed him. And that word fell is the same word as the, fell on, the Holy Spirit fell on the, on the people and the Gentiles. And for, for us, we cannot be afraid of the Holy Spirit, we can't, it's, the, the filling of the Holy Spirit is in the embrace of the Father. And, and for us, it will lead us to his love. We talk about being sons all the time, right? I'm a son. And it's an exceptionally exciting promise. And it says, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. So this is where we get that, why we say I'm a son. And he says, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. And it's really the Holy Spirit falling upon us is the ultimate embrace of the Father. But the Holy Spirit within us as a son, as a daughter, is what builds up that, that sense of Abba, Father, that I love you to God. And it's all over the place. In another place it says, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Like the more you are filled, the more we are filled with the Holy Spirit, the more we cry out, Abba, Father. And so as we go back into worship, I want you to keep in mind this, this, this truth that the Holy Spirit is what will lead us into all truth. It will, he is the one who is gonna establish us in love, is gonna deepen our love for Christ and it really will produce all of the power we need to take over Sacramento to take over our, our families and to just do all of the things that we have seen in the New Testament but in our daily lives so we're not going to have a prayer team we're not going to have people up here but we're going to actually all do the one, and a, one accord thing we're all going to press in and just ask the Holy Spirit to fill us up so that's all I got.